Welcome to The Maker and the Merchant with me, me Isaacs, and him, Fergus Elias. Well, here we are again. Uh, we just said, should we do an intro? So we should do an intro. Um, hey, uh, Ferg, really good to see you. How's it going? Yeah, not bad, mate. Not bad. How are yeah. you? Yeah, all right. All right. I, I, uh, I, I, I see on. there's a large eagle behind your head. Yeah, good luck. It's it's about to carry me up. It's it's always behind my head, actually. Uh, well, I say it's, all, all, it's not all like if I move from this chair, that the eagle is a picture that's on the wall. So it's not. <laughs> I don't walk around with it. Stu- it's like stuck to my head. Um, Just be but, careful because they've got a tendency of dropping, you know, tortoises from height. Are, are, are you are you going to towel on them if they do? Uh, I say, I wouldn't. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, very good. So we've got um, a good show today. We we have. I, I think we just need to, um, you know, open up by saying a huge thank you to Ingrid for, for the last episode, which was super brilliant. She she was uh, tremendous as we knew she would be, and I I thought that was about as cool as we could possibly get on this pod. Um, but folks, do you want to tell our dear listener who they're about to listen to being interviewed? Oh, I don't know actually, because I think I think. It might diminish from the suspense of I think, finding I think, out who is England's second youngest winemaker. Who is England's? Well, here we go. Uh, lady, dear listener, who is England's second youngest winemaker? Strap yourself in because the, the next hour and 20 minutes, quite, a, quite an adventure, it's quite a journey that you're going to take. We're here, we'll be here for you when you get back. Don't fear. Just relax and enjoy. Roll the tape, Isaacs. Click. Uh, hello. I we need to jump straight in because for the second You've got recording, a lot to cover. for the second time in a row, you and I have been outcalled by our guests. Now, you and I being outcalled is not a tremendously ooh, ooh, high ooh, bar, ooh. is it? Can, <laughs> yes, can I introduce? Can I introduce him though? Please do, because I've got a line that I've been working on all week for this. Oh my um, god! So. This week, listeners, and thank you for tuning in, by the way. This week, listeners, we are joined by England's second youngest head winemaker. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Tommy Grimshaw of Langham. Um, thank you very much for coming on, mate. Lovely to see you. Hey, hey yeah, it's great to see you both. Uh, yeah, I'm not biting on that hook. <laughs> are you sure? Are you, are you yeah. telling me there's a winemaker out there that's, that's aged under 12? Allegedly, <laughs> no, somewhere, somewhere lurking on it. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Busy boy, busy boy. It's an honour to be on. To be honest, yeah. no, the, the honour to... ours. It's absolutely. <laughs> I remember um, we were messaging someone just before Christmas, and I, you know, I put in there, um, you know, we'd love to get you on the pod, and you sort of said, you know, well, I'd, I'd really like to if, if it's serious, and I went, well, the pod isn't serious, but we still really like you. Um, and, 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 you know, as they say, dreams do come true. You know, if you have the right positive mental attitude and you make a plan and you and you, you kind of plan to the end. And Ferg and I, we started planning to the end, I think, was it on Thursday? Uh, and today is really called This is Monday. So That's pretty good for us. We've had a whole weekend of plan. The, the Tommy G dream has come true. I've, I've created games. <laughs> I don't think it's anyone's dream, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, in fact, I think we should go straight into games. 
Okay, here we go. Tommy, are you? Um, I, I don't know how much priming Ferg gave you, but apparently Absolutely we're, we're not. going. Um, this is now the podcast of games. Great. Well, um, I've got zero preparation, but that's like my life generally. So we'll uh, <laughs> we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, yeah. You see, Tommy, what I was thinking was, I want to get to the crux of of who is Tommy Grimshaw in as quick and as succinct and entertaining way as is humanly possible, because we all know you're Tommy Grimshaw. Headwine makeup, Langham, one of England's most renowned, exciting wineries. Um, very talented winemaker yourself with a fabulous beard these days and quite a lot of hair. And you're quite good looking as well. I, I'm, I'm quite jealous. Um, do you know who, um, when you became the youngest headwine maker in the country, do you know who you um, surpassed? I have no idea. It was me, mate. I was the youngest <laughs> headwine maker. <laughs> The important thing is, though, that I'm not even remotely bitter about this. I, 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 uh, think, I think we've established here that Tommy Grimshaw's career has been based entirely on aspects of how he can change events so that at the end of that event you can go, yeah, fuck you, Berg. <laughs> uh, so, Tommy, what I've done, I've created a game called Tommy Do, Tommy Don't. All right, let's have it. The concepts are simple. So, life is binary. You know, there's no shades of grey. It's yes, no. So Tommy do, Tommy likes it. Tommy don't, Tommy don't like it. Subdivided into categories. What we'll do at the end of each category, um, we'll then have chat. And then we'll move on to the next category. And it helps flesh out a picture of who Tommy Grimshaw is, the man. Yeah, this sounds like it could go really wayward, but I'm into it. Yep. Uh, I, okay, I've had absolutely one. no input to this, so it's likely to be very good. Oh no, you've given you've given me some interesting things for later on. Oh. First section, life. <laughs> Broad. And the first question, first question, this one's an easy one. So Tommy do if you agree, Tommy don't if you don't, alright? Cream first, then jam. Tommy do. Damn straight. <laughs> Sussex. Tommy do. Cornwall. Tommy Do. Devon. Tommy Do. Yeah, damn straight. Yeah, fun. Um, Cornish pasties. Tommy Do. Oh, ah, interesting. Um, so that ends the first round. So life. Um, that was tough. So I it, that was really tough. <laughs> like there yeah, was somewhere. If you hadn't categorised it as life, I would have probably swung the other way. Oh, really? Yeah, Go deeper. Like Devon Stillhorn, like, I'm proud to be a Devon boy, you know. Mm. And uh, that's easy. Cornwall, beautiful place. Uh, you know, it's just it's sort of, you know, Cornish people. So, but life, generally, I like it. No, Cornwall's a beautiful place, and you know they're probably their best export is. Wow, they've got Fisherman's Friends, great shanty band, and and, and the pasty. Um, mm. Well, actually, the pasty. I oh, think don't forget them, them, them tin mines. Well, yeah, that's very. That's probably their most famous export, really, isn't it? And actually, oh, that's probably been most beneficial to to everybody else. But you know, I look at them, think... like the pasties and and you know the the, the shanty bands, but. It's... As someone who lived in Cornwall for five years, firstly, you know, there's a lot of radon coming out of the ground or something. Um, I mean, that's the only possible explanation for the population, isn't it? Surely. Um, 
Is this the hands thing? It's the hands thing, yeah. No, they did be yeah. um, Secondly, I don't know if either of you know this, I'm, I'm allergic to Cornish pasties. Uh, if you, that's I, an, I, that's I, a really unfortunate existence. It, isn't it? You know, I, I would go out and have like 10 pints of tinners or Betty Stocks. It was fine. I'd eat the pasty. I'd throw up everywhere. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah me. There was a Cornish pasty was, you know, I I was learning that it was actually invented in Devon at the time and then the border changed. So, yeah. Oh. Ooh, this is so it should be a Devon pasty. Yeah. Now, I need to do more research in that before I get absolutely, you know, shouted at by every Cornish person. And I always have to say there probably aren't many lovely Cornish folk out there, but as a Devon oh, person, you know, you're kind of just brought up to dislike the Cornish. So. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a natural rivalry, isn't it? Yeah, it's just something in the blood. It's weird. So, yeah. You're Devon born and bred? Yeah, mate, 100%. Excellent. And so you started life in Devon. Uh, you haven't moved very far. Um, no. But, but at the same time, you've done, achieved a lot. So how did you go from Devon, where the wine industry, let's, let's be frank, 15 years ago when you were born, wasn't that big? <laughs> <laughs> So how did you go? How did how did that how did that happen? What 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 were the what were the steps? Yeah, I think it is funny. I should probably say that I'm 27 because I think Lee said I'm yeah, 12. Yeah, sure you're 27. <laughs> you're like you're like Luke Luke Littler in the darts. You're not you're not 16, lads. I don't want to get you lads in trouble. Uh, so yeah, no, <laughs> I was uh, yeah, I was 17 and grew up in Totnes, which is a really sound lovely little town in South Devon, um, and probably only sort of established vineyard in South Devon at the time was with Sharpen Vineyard, which was planted in the late 80s, so really an early pioneer for English wine. And Duncan Schwab, the winemaker there, he's been there since the early 90s, so he was, you know, mm. furniture really. He was, like him or his wife was doing antenatal classes with my auntie, and they're like, oh, we need some help labelling wine in the summer. And I just finished my first year of A-levels and didn't have a job. And all these parties and festivals we wanted to go to, but I had no money. So I thought labelling wine sounded more fun than working in a cafe or, you know, Morrison's. So it's basically labelled and bottled wine three days a week uh, when I was 17. And earned some money, spent all that money straight away. Um, nice. Got my, my A-level results through my AS level results that first year. And... They were diabolically bad, like laughably bad. <laughs> I got two E's and two U's. Wow! Yeah, like I don't really do half measures, so yeah. No, <laughs> no. You've got, you've got all out. Yeah, I mean, admittedly, there was physics, environmental science, politics, and um, geography. I'm not. I got an E in geography, <laughs> mate. Surely, it, did you forget your crayons? No, all, all the questions in the geography <laughs> test were about Cornwall, weren't they? That was the problem. Yeah, I, I had no idea what to write for that <laughs> or what <laughs> colour to colour it in. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, at that point, I realised if you get E in geography, school's probably, probably not made out for school. So, uh, Duncan was looking for, for a harvest intern for the 2013 vintage. And so, yeah, I just I left school and went and worked for him for a bit. 
Went off traveling nice. for six months because I had no idea what else to do. Went some mates. Uh, came back and, yeah, again, just didn't really know what I wanted to do again. So my parents got jealous of me traveling and decided to put the house up for rent. So I basically had to you know, like find somewhere to live. At which point, um, Charlie Brown, who's now the, the winemaker at Sandridge, um, I met Ali, who's currently assistant winemaker at Jim Barry in Australia. They were both um, going in for another full season at, at, at Sharpham, and they needed a seller hand. So, yeah, at that time, I went for a full-time seller hand job, and the three of us lived together in this grotty bungalow on this on the estate for about three mm-hmm. years and had an absolute hoot. It was amazing. I, I think it's great. That does sound it? like a lot of fun. Yeah, it was absolute carnage. Um, I don't... <laughs> We lost the keys in the first week and just never found them again. So it was like, it was like that was, those were my uni years because I didn't go to uni. So it was like, at that point, I must have been, yeah, like 18, like 19, just turned 19. And I moved in with two of my best mates. We're working together, living together. Brilliant. And yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Like, I, we had Duncan, Duncan as a mentor, and he's an absolute legend and an amazing winemaker. So, like, there wasn't much I didn't love about it. And this whole thing was built around making English wine. So I think that kind of mm. cemented this, like, amazing passion and bug for wine production in, in England because I was doing it with my mates and had a great mentor in a beautiful part of the world. So. It really does make a difference. And, and it really does demonstrate that um, sort of expression that old um, Jacob Ledley's stolen. It's, it's that, that idea of it being about the people. I think... It really, it's it's certainly true. Which conveniently brings me to round two. People. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. Lee, stop looking stressed. This is fun. We're having fun. I'm just wishing I thought of it. It's genius. So, Tommy do, Tommy don't. Same same deal. Okay, Duncan Schwab. Tommy do. Damn straight, Tommy does. Lee Isaacs. Oh... <laughs> Yeah, Tommy do, reluctantly. <laughs> <laughs> the Wine Standards Board man. I don't know who your guy is. Oh, Tommy do, Andy Kilby, legend. He brings me beer. I probably shouldn't say this. He brings me beer. Does he? <laughs> mine, yeah. mine just comes up and gossips for 10 to 25 hours. And, oh, uh, I sit down and with it's Andy. Great. I sit with Andy. Like, He's taken my records now to share with everyone else because he's like, have the spreadsheets. This is how you should be doing your records. And then um, he started doing a homebrew. So I'd sit, he gives me some beer and then I go back and I taste it and give him some feedback. I'm not a brewer. (laughs) I just go, yeah, that's that's good enough. That's nice. (laughs) So yeah, that's good. Tommy do. Um, I've got uh, Mike Boyne. Yeah, Tommy do. Legend. Brad Horn? Yeah, Tommy do. <laughs> Andy Wiles. Oh, you're killing me here. Yeah, Tommy do. <laughs> and then the last one on my list, uh, Zoe Driver. Uh, does she listen to this? <laughs> yeah, she's got Tommy, taste. Tommy, Tommy do, yeah. <laughs> They're all legends. Nice. Uh, all those people. Yeah, no, I've, I've picked... I've, 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 I thought I'd picked good people there, and that I thought they'd be a nice way of hanging the next section of our chat. Um, <laughs> so Andy is obviously your assistant winemaker, so you, you two work together now. Um, yeah. Tell us about working at Langham these days and where you're at, and what's the what's going on, what's the 
What's the? It, I get the impression you have quite a lot of fun. Yeah, I think that's important. I think that's one thing that I definitely learned from Duncan was mm. that you couldn't create amazing wines and be at work at creative end of the winemaking spectrum unless you were having fun and enjoying what you do. Um, so yeah, like a lot of a lot of fun. Andy and I have become like a bit of a married couple. Like we spend more time together than we do with anybody else. So of course we have our fallouts and our disputes. And I've come to realize that we're both trying to get from A to B and, you know, B being make the best wine we think we can. And um, yeah, Andy's like very good at just working out how to get there. I need to go on a weird and wonderful adventure for a little while to then finally come back to end up getting shouted at by Andy for taking too long to get <laughs> <laughs> It's basically the way it goes. So, um, you know, I think I think we work work really well together. We both got similar, uh, I think quite similar palettes and we both um, enjoy the same styles of wine and want to achieve the same thing. We're both pretty driven. So, like, we push each other quite well. So, um, yeah, I kind of... You know, job titles is, you know, I'm head winemaker and he's assistant winemaker. But the way I look at it is it's very much we're doing it together. Um, I just have to shoulder responsibility when shit goes wrong. <laughs> it's basically the way I look at it. So I couldn't, I couldn't do it without him, to be honest. And, and the Langham wines, I don't think, would, would be half as good as, as they are uh, without him. Not least because he pushes me so much as well. Um, I don't even know if I answered your question. I just went on a random tangent about Andy. No, that was actually exactly what I was after, um, and it was it was quite nice to hear. Yeah, it sounds but like no a lovely dynamic. Tangent about Andy. He he's he already proclaimed that he's the third best looking winemaker in England. So, who are the top two? Uh, Will Perkins. Which one? Who's Will, Will Perkins? Perkins is now Evermond. Is that Pomeroy? Uh, right? Is that Pomery? No, uh, it's just Pomery. Evermond's yeah, yeah. No, it's Evermond's Tassinger. Yeah, right. so Will's a uh, Pomery. He's a good-looking fella, to be fair. Uh, and then a the guy from Kinsbrook. I don't know his name. I'm not even sure. He's oh, Joe player. Beckett. But he's yeah. not. He he's um he was a very good rugby player. He was at he he went to my school. Very um, nice. But, but Andy thinks he's a best-looking winemaker. But if he's not a winemaker, that's even worse. Except it's Andy number two. Oof. In his own head. <laughs> in his own head. <laughs> if he's number two, this industry is in dire straits. Yeah, I mean, also, no one's mentioning Charlie Holland in that mix, and he is a handsome older man, and yeah. not that much older, frankly. Um, just I think daddy. this is a different debate, isn't it? <laughs> you know, just technically, Mike, Mike Boyne is a winemaker. I mean, he's he's got to be be up there in the top hundred, surely. Yeah, I mean, and he's, he's working out now as well. Put me to shame. Yeah, he is. He's guns. He has got some guns right there. And. Doesn't he tell you about it? Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Sun's out, bombs out, guns out. That's his new. That's his new yeah. thing, isn't it? Yeah, marketing. <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we've we've sort of done a little bit about winemaking. So this is great. I don't know why I've not done this for every single guest ever. We're now going to move on to wines, and so All this right. this round is is more about your philosophy towards things. Um, there are no wrong answers here, Tommy. So we're going to go str- straight in with um, Pinotage. Well, we don't. Damn straight. Um, there was a wrong answer. It was a trick question. If you said Tommy do. 
Um, SO2. Uh, Tommy D. Yeah, like it. Divico. Tommy Dane. Hand pick. Tommy D. Machine harvest. Tommy D. Ooh, I wasn't expecting that. Didn't see that one coming. Wild ferment. Tommy D. Dosage. Tommy D. Packet yeast. Tommy D. Ah, interesting. In spite of all these yes, no answers, you're managing to paint shades of grey. <laughs> that that would uh, that would show that would show show poor question out like for yeah that's that's that's, that's on me yeah that's, that's what this is that's your your, on me. your your interview technique was strong initially but we've now found its flaw by only the third <laughs> round there's a reason Michael Parkinson didn't take this approach. <laughs> I'm just Personally, really spun out by saying my own names though. <laughs> What's that? What's that Tommy Grimshaw like? Fucking hell, he always talks about himself in the third person. What a dick. <laughs> oh, wait, I missed one. Beer. Uh, Tommy D. Tommy D. Damn straight, Tommy D. I'm mm, happy to elaborate just... on any of that to make it slightly less grey. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, let's let's go with... Um, let's go with Wild Ferment versus Packet Ferment. Because I think that's, that's a good one. Because you are a big proponent of Wild Ferment. But you're also pragmatic enough, and stop me if I'm wrong in my interpretation, you're pragmatic in that if it's not working, you've got the packet yeast to one side as an alternative. The reason I said packet yeast is for the traditional method side of things, and purely for the second fermentation. Oh. I'll do everything everything completely wild wild yeast on the base ferments. Uh, Really? Yeah. And what, what I tend to do is start a little Pierre de Couf pre-harvest, mm-hmm. and then that acts as my sort of mother culture support system, allows me to sleep at night sort of thing. Um, yeah. Although I haven't actually used it. I used it for the last four years. Um, so basically every, you know, as you all know, Ferg, before harvest, you know, we obviously doing all our analysis on juice samples and mm-hmm. things to work out when we actually want to start picking. And rather than losing that juice, I start in a little sort of kiln jar on the desk in the office. And then slowly, you know, as more juice comes in, I bulk it up and just feed it almost like a sourdough uh, starter. And I then like I keep that. that running through harvest. So I just keep feeding it, keeping yeah. it hooked up. Um, just in case any ferments don't get going. But yeah, to be honest now, like I'm pretty pretty confident and pretty happy just to, to leave and be. Nice. So yeah, the base ferments are all spontaneous, I think, in... And everything we do with that still sparkling, whether it's our wines mm. or it's client wines, I think that's one of the reasons clients. Yeah. Well, we do a tiny bit of contract wine making, not much, but I think the clients that come to us like the fact that their wine, even if they bring us the same clone or the same rootstock and even the same soil type of the same variety, it'll be slightly different because they'll be bringing their own yeast strains from their vineyard down. So nice. Um, and then yeah, and then. Yeah, I just need for, for traditional method fizz. It's like I need a really strong, hardy yeast I can rely on to make sure we'll do a traditional method like on a commercial scale you know we're, we're not huge but 50,000 bottles is, is a considerable amount of wine so you want to make sure it tastes good that's like paramount <laughs> <laughs> so using quite a neutral a neutral strong yeast for secondary um yeah yeah that's important so that's where the packet yeast comes in although I have what tried, do you go for 
uh, just the IOC, was it 
because it's important to represent as far west as we can go. So Camel Valley. Comedy. Damn straight. West's heroes. Um, only Royal Warrant holder in English wine at the moment. And the owners of a great blender. Sharpen. Yeah, tell me too. Sure. I mean, I'm basically listing your mates here, aren't I? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, Anchor Hill. Yeah, yeah Tommy D. Nice. Yeah, I haven't heard. I haven't heard from them in a little while, so I wondered. I wondered what you. Um, yeah. So that's a selection of wine. May, wine may, may I add? Bless you. May I add a producer here, uh, going out of the UK? Uh, Ooh. Salos. Yeah, Tommy D, for sure. Oh, yeah, Salon as well. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, let's just keep naming amazing producers. Um, mm. I'll caveat the Furley one. Nelson's more of a little personal thing uh, that I won't go too much into. But when I was starting Emerging Vines, um, they weren't very kind to me. So, oh. Um, on a personal level. But actually, being a Dorset producer, I think actually it's really nice to have them around and to enjoy them uh, working professionally close with them so yeah those things those things stick with you i i can't get by with camel valley because many many years ago i went for a job with them and i didn't get it and i'm not bitter about that at all (laughs) i applied for a job with them once i wanted a harvest job um didn't hire me either well, you know, yeah. they've got standards, I guess, right? I mean, you yeah, really I guess, I guess they chance. probably looked at my CV and went, hmm, <laughs> it's probably a wanker. <laughs> <laughs> this this guy can't trust himself. That's what, it, that's what it is. Yeah. I wanted to come west. I hear that's where it's at. Yeah, um, I can elaborate on quite a few of those. I think, I think Nice yeah, and Chapel Down do amazing <laughs> things for our industry. Very different style mm. of wine making to what I do, but it's most people's gate, it's almost like their gateway drug, right? If Amen. they try Nightingale and Chapel Down and they're consistently, you know, fairly decent wines, and people go, oh, actually, English wine's not bad. Let's try something else. You know, I think, um, I actually think like what you're doing at Balfour, we're doing so many, so many good wines that actually there's yeah, something for, for you to go, okay, sweet. Actually, English wine is good. They have the style that I like. Let's explore others. So I think the bigger producers like yourselves are really important for that. Whether you Thanks, necessarily mate. like the wines or not, <laughs> it's like actually really important for that. Is, there, <laughs> that was more um, the other two than you. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's 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 an interesting point there, Tommy. Actually, because there's sort of liking the wines and, and not liking the wines, and then there's there's businesses that are, that are big enough and um, have the, the the sort of the A and P budgets behind them to kind of actively promote themselves first and foremost, which is what they'd be doing. But in so doing, kind of build the name of English wine, and, and you know, there's there's a, a lot of smaller producers out there haven't just they just haven't got that behind them because they're still not of that size. So it's quite interesting when I when I talk to consumers, you know, they've all heard of the, of, of um, my Timber, Gusborn, they've heard of Rathfinney, something called Hushheath that they can't find anymore or something. Uh, else. Uh, yeah, that's just, we've that changed one. the name. But three actually, more you start talking about the sort of more mid-tier producers that between the three of us we all know the consumers don't necessarily know those but it's such a doorway having that bigger name and then if that consumer can you know if we can take them on that journey there's so many more places to go well i know for a fact that i wouldn't be able to do the winemaking that i want to do if it wasn't for the, the bigger producers and that's where um but i think particularly with with night timber and, and chapel down i have a you know 
I don't necessarily rush out always to buy their wine, but I have a lot of respect for them and what they do for our industry and the doors yeah. that they've opened for the rest of us. So, yeah, Definitely. I think that's about one. And the same with Camel in the Southwest, you know, Camel and Sharpen. You know, I think Sharpen planted just mm. before Camel, but like the two of them together have really like risen up. Camel mainly for sparklings and then Sharpen for the stills, which is Sharpen's now sandwich part. Um, you know, you know, without sandwich, I wouldn't even have a job or a career in the industry. So like, I've owed, I owe Duncan like everything really for that. But um, yeah, I think Camel for their positioning and sort of flying the flag for the West for so long allows us yeah. to now do what we want to do. When it when it comes to sort of wines and producers, so I'm, I'm sort of backtracking slightly. You, you know, you got you got you, you got the job, and you're living, you know, three friends together, having a great time, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. But I'm thinking, obviously, sort of wine wasn't part of your life before that. Were there, were there any wines that you were involved in the production of, or wines that were kind of brought to the table for you to try, where you suddenly went, like, actually, I'm having loads of fun, but hang on a minute, there's something else here. Yeah, I think that was like most of the Sharpen wines, really, because it was also new to me. Mm-hmm. But I remember when I first started, like, Dunks was pretty good at training me up and letting me taste and obviously spit out because I was only 17. But I remember our first staff do. Obviously, it was all above board, you know, completely. Oh, yeah. yeah, it sounds it. Yeah. Um, I remember our first staff Christmas do. He went out to his like, wine tasting went for dinner and Mark was the MD. And it was like one of those like, enigmatic machines where you could just go and taste all these things. And there was all these wines that I'd like, never been exposed to. And Mark was like, refused, didn't buy me a ticket because so, I was 17. So I just had to like sit in the corner on my own watching <laughs> everyone else go and taste. And <clears throat> I just remember Dunks just giving over like these little samples of interesting things and sitting with me and talking me through them and stuff. And, you know, when Mark wasn't looking and that, you know, that was amazing. So, but yeah, I think with the sharpened wines, I think I, I was just enjoying learning so much at the time that I was just like obsessed with, with any, any wine, any, like yeah. some of look back at some of the wines that I was tasting now, I was probably they're awful, they're not my style at all, but I'm not a sharp ones, but I like the, like doing WSET and stuff like that. Yeah. Hmm. I just, I just, they probably were pretty rubbish wines, but the time was so new and so exciting mm-hmm. that I was just mm-hmm. absorbed by it. Yeah. No. And, and that's how your palate, you know, your palate grows and changes over time doesn't it it's the same with food it's the same with music you know stuff that you'd listen to you know 20 years ago at a particular time and place in life just it doesn't resonate anymore you go off or you don't like it and it, and it's I think about the wines I first started drinking I wouldn't drink them now but I, I think you summed up beautifully that at the time it was all so new and like constantly it's like heroin basically you're always looking for that next high right trying to try new wines I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, but I, you know, I drink mine out of a glass, I mean, and out of a spoon, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> You're the first person that's compared wine with chasing the dragon, to my knowledge. Uh, but surely I, not. Thanks, mate. It's, it's um, exactly like that. <laughs> briefly, just going back to something you said um, earlier, um, you mentioned emerging wines, and I remember I remember that starting, and I remember being really excited to see young people in English wine who weren't me. Um, and at the time, I was the youngest head winemaker American their country. So I was like, yeah, this is great. There are loads of young people coming. And, and then you became head winemaker. And then all of a sudden, yeah, obviously not a fan. Um, but <laughs> Emerging Wines, was that, was that the three of you who lived in the bungalow? Or is that, is that where that started? Or, or, have, or, I, I, or have I missed, the, missed it? No, so, um, no, that was... the packing install over again. And, yeah, that was Josh and Tommy. We also worked at Sandwich or Sharpen at the time. Um, 
Yeah, we kind of grew like I think Wed Wed grew up in Exeter, but then Josh and I grew up in Totnes, and we all just kind of happened to end up at, at Sharpham. I remember Wed the first time he came to Sharpham. He he was a som at Mission Star Restaurant, but wanted to explore and learn more about English wine. So he came for an interview, but he was wearing like you know a full Parker, like almost like down to his knees, slit back hairs, little like John Lennon glasses on, proper swagger. And I was like, Liam Gallagher's just walked up here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, he's like, but he's an absolute legend. And um, like, we just like clicked really, really well. And um, yeah, like Wedge was one of those people who just got this amazing gift for teaching people about wine and like in such an unpretentious manner that just makes you instantly just relax and feel comfortable. And um, yeah, and then Josh and I started doing like wine tastings and cheese tastings and like, prehistoric caves for a bunch of doctors and hen pies and all this sort of stuff all of english wine and then got wedge on board and um did the shop and things and it was just fun like we never made much money didn't make any money in fact um <laughs> that absolutely not <laughs> uh but we had a lot of fun and learned a lot about how to run a business and how sort of businesses work on a very small scale which is quite i, I feel like i learned a lot and i was really happy we did emerging vines but eventually like new people came into the online sort of English wine retail scene that had a lot of money and were able to like just sell every wine and throw proper marketing at it and we were kind of just doing it on the sideline of our day jobs and um yeah just loved it loved loved the wines we were selling but um yeah probably didn't have enough time or money to really give it a good crack so we decided to yeah. to close that down so that we could all focus on on different ventures yeah, no, I, I, I genuinely, genuinely thought it was a real shame because it was so lovely to because it was so industry driven. You know, a lot of these people who have set up these shops and they've done amazingly, and I'm delighted that there are people out there flogging English wine for all their for all their worth. But you know, a lot of them are, have come into the industry to then sell it, whereas you guys came came out from within, um, yeah. like an alien. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Any minute now, Scooney Weaver's going to appear, and yeah, yeah, it's all scary stuff. I think I just scared <laughs> to put it back in its box. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, the, 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 the wines, the wines, the wines weren't delivered in boxes; they were delivered in giant eggs, and you had to yeah, wait like for it to, yeah, sacks really. <laughs> yeah, and you're um, <laughs> uh, so we've reached uh, the last round of Tommy Do, Tommy Don't, um, and this round I've called legislation. Um, I think these are hot button issues for English wine and literally no one else. Um, so these are the issues that only English wine producers care about. Uh, I think you probably could name these without me going through them, but I'm going to go through them anyway. Um, save out in the PDO, Tommy do, Tommy don't. Tommy do. Ooh, it's such a shame. I thought you were such a nice guy. Uh, <laughs> I can't sit here and like talk about how great Camilla and uh, I like breaky bottom and say nah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. There's a her- there's there is. I think the heritage argument is the strongest of all. The last thing I'll say on it is that as I'm also co-chair of Wine TV West, as you know, Ferg. And I do the amount the amount of our members, their whole business is reliant on on Save Out and they're making some really fun, sparkling wines from it. 
Do you yep. remove, you know, you don't allow it in and suddenly you're, you know, you're putting all these amazing small growers on the back foot. So, I, I think, mean, it's not in now. No, but I don't think save is the issue, actually. I think there's um, probably we need to have more <laughs> no, training. No, wait, on. don't tell me there's nuance to this, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> I thought long and hard about this, you know. I know it's going to be quick fire. This is not quick fire. But I just think yeah. actually people need to probably be exposed a bit more to different winemaking techniques and different winemaking styles to get the best out of it. Um, but yeah, anyway, save out, Tommy do. We we need okay, more consistent. We need more consistency and rationality of thought that Tommy's just displayed. We need more of that, not just on podcasts and in wine. We need that everywhere. Um, Tommy, I, 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 right? So you've nailed, you know, England's youngest winemaker. You've had that. You've won all sorts of awards. Can you just t- turn up to be PM? Nah. <laughs> no, all right, Tommy Dome. Tommy Dome. Tommy Dome. Tommy Dome. Tommy Dome. Okay, so so we've done uh, Save Out in the PD, PDO. Um, SWGB in its current form. Tommy Dome. Yeah, Ferg Dome. Uh, juicy. Tommy Dome. Yeah, no. Who the fuck wants to pay Juicy? Who's going to yes to Juicy? Yeah, Juicy. Charlotte yeah. <laughs> <Shot laughs> <that> Method. <laughs> uh, Tommy Dome. Tommy, don't. No. None of your uh, West Country producers doing any Charmat then? No. The only one I've tried <laughs> that I actually enjoyed was, was Flint. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's the only one I've actually tried in the UK that I've really actually enjoyed. Fair enough. Sorry, Tony. Uh, Pee Wees. Uh, Tommy, do. But I've not, you... wor- I've not worked with any for ages. I just think there's... <laughs> I'm just not. I'm not dead against it. You know, I think there's an exciting thing that we should be exploring. But Definitely, I'm not the oracle of knowledge on them, so I'm letting everyone else do the work, and then I'll learn from it. <laughs> I think what Guillaume, what Guillaume's doing down at Warwick Experience uh, with his Swiss background, I think it's something that I'm keeping a close eye on. He was at the dinner on Saturday, actually. Um, yeah, he's a great which... guy which the listener won't know about because we were talking about it before we started recording. Um, but yeah, what a guy and what great wines. Um, what a dinner. I, it was, it was, a, it was a great dinner. Um, highly recommend the red option. Uh, so thank you, Tommy. Um, congratulations on completing your round of Tommy do Tommy don't. Um, that was yeah. I mean, this is where people come, you know, careers are built forged on the maker and the merchant podcast um you know it's a it's a hammer anvil kind of situation well, we've got going on that, that's funny because we've discussed this for many times you know all your success since since the podcast started <laughs> since we started all the podcast i've been made redundant so it's not really <laughs> work it's not really working for me is it so um but that's you know I, I maybe it's like that's a karmic balance right so all the good stuff's going your way but which I, that, that is i Absolutely fine with me. All the uh, I'm not convinced, but, that's, but anyway, that's all right. I'll, I'll take that. Um, Tommy, so that your like so your your reticence around Sharma, uh, and again, because you know we, we we do nuance and you do nuance very well. What what is your sort of reticence surrounding Sharma? Uh, I just I just always feel that it, we're obviously having to hit a premium price point on 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 English wine, you know. And just because of the cost of the land, of the labour, of all of our equipment has to come in, it's just endless, endless things. Not to mention duty, but um, mm. so obviously hitting that that premium price point. So 
I think you've really got to produce a wine that represents good value because it's not going to be cheap. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know. I think the English Charmettes I've found, I've always kind of just felt like they're trying to be Prosecco-esque. But I don't really know why you'd try and aim to do that when you're never going to be able to reach the price point or the volume on it. And I just feel myself feeling that the base wines there could have been more exceptional stills than mm-hmm. they are showing as Charmettes. Mm-hmm. That's just my personal uh, opinion. Um, but like I said, the only one I've really tried that I've enjoyed that's actually, I think, expressed itself really well was, was Flint. Yeah. But, you know, did it, was it a low enough price point to, to justify it? I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think the um, one of the arguments I saw for it was that it was a wine that produced a, a, a lower price point and therefore that might open doors for more consumers, but the price point wasn't low enough. And actually, in terms of the ones I've seen and tasted, and, and the quality just wasn't that, it wasn't impressive enough that you go, okay, you've got a cheap price, but this is going to really impress consumers. And that Prosecco market, you, you know, you can't win that because that does what it does. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm personally not not a huge fan of, of the idea per se. I think for most people, at 15 quid, so there's a lot of money to spend on a bottle of wine. Yeah. So it's got to be exceptional quality and uh, i just feel like if it's if you know if it's not packing that then it's probably not not the right style i don't think yeah. for that specific wine yeah totally agree well, you, i don't think there's a charmat method mines anyway so i'm not an expert on it like <laughs> if you drink loads of charmat and you think english charmat's great like i'm not going to argue with you no, no, no. But, so, that, so that's the thing i was <laughs> i was very lucky to to be out in um prosecco superiori last year and we were to, where that you know they're making these wines that, that aren't at all like the prosecco doc stuff the, the quality is just it's a totally different wine the, the name prosecco doesn't fit because prosecco has become that branded commodity but you see what they could do with Char- and, we, and we're kind of taught aren't we show this is basically bang it in a tank ferments done bottle it under pressure easy you know what what they're doing with Charm is much more complex much more difficult so you see that you can do great stuff with it um, but that's not really the point of doing it in the UK. You can't do that because the, the whole point was to try and make something cheaper. And, and um, you know, I, th- I think the average spend on a bottle of wine here in the UK is still only around about eight quid. And the only reason it's gone up is because is of duty. Um, so, you know, if the wine's twice the price, it's, it's got to feel at least twice as good, if not more so. Otherwise, can, consumers just take to v- Vinvino, whatever it's called, and say, yeah. oh, I, I, I didn't taste this wine, but I've never liked Chardonnay, one star. Yeah, actually, a wine that's got amazing reviews on Vivino, I'm just going to take up a little tangent here, which um, I'm now banned from Vivino by my wife because I uh, I started giving all of the reviews on my wines and uh, <laughs> got weirdly addicted to the one stars and then got really annoyed. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. now banned from Vivino. But one thing, one wine that scores better than any other English wine, in fact, it's not even an English wine, is Bucky. Bart Plus has got 4.3 on Vivino, and I've never been so proud to be from Devon. <laughs> yeah, I, that's actually, you're right. The, the, the graveyard of Balfour reviews on Vivino, where you filter by the bad stuff, so you can hear all the stuff you've done wrong as a winemaker and why, you, why you're wrong. Um, it's quite a depressing place. I don't know why I do it to myself. Like Barry um, Luton gave it a one star and said, you should have done this. It's like, oh God. Yeah. 
what's, yeah. Barry, what's Barry from Luton ever done with his life? Fuck all. I don't all. know. I yeah. don't what's know. he ever created? Nothing. I think my yeah. favourite was um, there was there was one from somewhere someone in Norway, um, which was impressive because it was on our fifteen oh three classic Kube, which isn't in Norway, um, but he'd actually just written not a particularly good sparkling wine, and that was it. It's great. <laughs> that and then giving it like <laughs> me in tears. I would literally have had a full breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> Um, um, and then, yeah, I, I, I'm actually, I'm now, pu- I'm now pulling it up because I, I want to see it again. Um, is, but yeah, no, Cecilia Larson, sour, sour, and dry like young green apples. But then she gave it four stars. So <laughs> who's like the winner here? <laughs> it's like you should read some of the Buckfast ones. I, gar- I urge anyone listening to this: read the Buckfast Tonic Wine Vivinos. There's one that's like, you know, didn't like it on the first taste, but after a bottle. Ended up opening a boating company in the Highlands with a sheep named Hamish. Five stars. <laughs> <laughs> like... This is what Buckfast can do. It can open new new realms of existence to you. Oh, I had Buckfast cufflinks at a wedding. Um, <sighs> did you? Yeah, oh, honestly, I I love that stuff. It's, that's Your my dream wedding. job. My dream job is head winemaker at Buckfast Abbey. I think. <laughs> oh, phenomenal! Yeah, absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that was good, uh, Lee. I hear you've got a game. Uh, I, I have. Well, this, I, is yeah, a, this I have, is a fun episode. I have one one game, and then um, uh, I have something that I, I've just off the top of my head. I've decided. I've decided to call uh, Tommy or Fergus, who's the best winemaker. But we'll we'll do that in a minute. Um, oh no! So I've I've invented this game. Uh, and I can tell you that as soon as this plays like Channel Dave or Channel 5, somebody's going to be banging on my door for the rights to this game. It's going to be huge. It's going to be on Sky. We're going to take it to Vegas. Uh, this, the name of this game is Yeast or Beast. And I'm going to give you a Latin name, uh, one each in turn, and you have to tell me if it's a yeast or a beast. There you see. Nice. So, like um, it. So as Tommy is our guest, Tommy gets to go first. Uh, oh, so Tommy, here we go. Is this a yeast or a beast? Arobacidium melanogium. Yeast or beast? I'm going yeast on that. Oh, you would be correct. It is a yeast. It's a black yeast-like fungus that is found in freshwater habitats that's high in melanin. So there we go. Ooh, there we go. Okay. Fungusy. Okay, first. It sounded fungusy, didn't it? Yeast or beast? Decora anomala. Decora anomala. Yeast or beast? Decora anomala. That's. I'm going to go with beast. Ah, oh, Ferg, no, you're wrong. <laughs> it's a yeast. It's related to, to Brett. <laughs> Uh, oh, right. Um, apparently, it has a negative Pasteur effect. Uh, it shares the same mitochondrial DNA as Brettanomyces. So there you really? go. So oh, that's why I've never heard of it, mate, because I don't do Brett. <laughs> Everybody yeah. likes a bit of Brett. No um, one Okay, Tommy, over to you for, for the next one. Yeast or beast? Hydrophinia. Yeah, it's a beast. 100%. Hey, is absolutely right. It is the stick it's like snake. A little, 
Sea snake. Look, look at yeah. this. This guy. He's good. How, how did he get any in geography when he knows this? Uh, okay, Ferg, over to you. Uh, yeah. Yawoia lipolitica. Sorry, Yawoia. <laughs> Yawoia lipolitica. Yeast or beast? Uh, um. I mean, I'm going on a whim here and beast. I'm just going to keep saying beast until it's right. You're not very good at this, Ferg. No. Um, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll, we'll do two more because this is, this is really going <laughs> on quite, quite a lot. <laughs> uh, Tommy, yeast or beast? Dendrobranchiata. Oh, nothing's given that one away to me. I'm going to go beast again. Oh, he's absolutely right. To prawn. There you go. <laughs> uh, okay, Ferg, here's, here's your last one to see if you can salvage any points from this uh, soon-to-be-world-famous <laughs> game. Arictolagus caniculus. Is that a beast or a beast? caniculus. A beast. Oh, he's got one point, finally. <laughs> Yay! Um, what is it? It's a rabbit. Um, of course it is. Yes, obviously. So the winner. That's not. <laughs> wait, no, that's not the Latin for rabbit. <laughs> I think. You'll find it, I think you'll find it is. No, um, that's. Uh, look, if uh, you're going to take this up with the question setters, then we'll take this offline. So the uh, winner of the inaugural yeast or beast competition, Tommy Grimshaw. Well done. Phenomenal, yeah, phenomenal well, performance. How do you feel? I mean, it's what I've been working towards for the last 27 <laughs> years. And, um, yeah, I'd like to thank Duncan and my mum and my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely superb. Now, uh, that's obviously a bit fun just to get us warmed up for the serious game, which is Tommy or Fergus, who is the best winemaker. Oh, uh, we, we are off. ostensibly a, a wine-based podcast. Uh, Loosely wine-based. We, we've covered some some wine stuff, but I'm somebody who knows nothing about anything really, particularly winemaking. I'm not a winemaker. So I've, I've done a little bit of research, found some sort of things that can go wrong when you're making wine. Uh, so oh, there's a question, a question each in turn. I just want you to answer honestly. Obviously, there's no tech data around this. So just make a scenario. But Tommy, the first question is to you. Okay, you're you're making your your base wine for a bonk de bonk. You've got some Chardonnay fermenting away. You've come in in the morning, fermentation slowing down. Yeast is looking a bit tired. How do you fix it? How would I fix it? I feel like the way I'd fix it is probably very different to the way Ferg would fix it. Ah, well, here, uh, here, I, don't, see, I gonna, don't think it. I don't we, think it will be. Get, but we're going to get deep. How would you fix it, Tommy? So come into winery, ferments looking a bit slow and cold. Mm-hmm. Depending on the time of year, if it was December, I'd leave it to go to sleep um, and let it go for a winter dormancy period. If I wanted it to be fermenting, I'd put a fish tank heater in it. Uh-huh. If okay. it's in a barrel, well, I'm assuming it's a barrel, a 200 litre barrel. Yes, I'd put a yes, tank exactly. heater in it. <laughs> um, if it was in a tank and it was a warm summer's day, I'd open the winery doors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fantastic! Some insight. Warm. Okay, get you know that yeast is living, breathing. It needs it needs some some heat, energy. Brilliant, Tommy. Thank you. Um, okay, so the next one in our game of Tommy or Ferg, who is the best winemaker, Fergus. Uh, mm. You're racking off uh, some Pinot Noir seven 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 to make to make still wine. 
Um, and in doing red so, or white? It, uh, to make it as a still red. Uh, but okay. in, in doing so, you open a portal to hell. There's demons coming out everywhere, fighting, trashing the winery. How, how do you fix right. this? I um, uh, well, you're just guessing now. You've got nothing. I mean, Tommy was no, straight no. I've, I've got a, I've got Tom, a clear I've no, got a clear clear solution um, yeah. based on facts. Okay. Um, what I'll do is I'll give 352 million pounds to the NHS every <laughs> week. <laughs> okay, so uh, <laughs> what we've learned here is Tommy had an answer for our first winemaking question. What you've done, Ferg, is deflect away from the key subject of winemaking and crossing over into the netherworld. So no, mm-hmm. no marks for you. Okay, great. Tommy, I'd like to point to, out that, um, to that Tommy and sorry. I do have some do have some, some some similar ground. I would warm my ferments up. Well, that wasn't your question, so that I count. should have just said that rather than make it sound like I was working at my first winery. With fish tank, <laughs> oh, fish tank eater in it. The hobby craft of winery. I tell you what, once this once this episode goes live, sales of fish tank eaters are going to go through the roof, aren't they? Okay, Tommy, so here we go. Your next question. You come in in the middle of harvest. You've only got one cockar press. It's broken. Why have you got a cockar press? You've, you've somehow got the money, right? But you, 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 you there's no cockars available. Which brand of press do you buy? Well, I don't particularly like cockard anyway, so um, I would say, thank God it's broken. Scharfenberger, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Europress, that's oh. uh, that's my bag. Uh, literally, Workhorse. Uh, nice pneumatic bag press, uh, easy to clean. I love oxygen. I can I can manage the oxygen quite nicely with it, so I um, get a lot of oxygen into the juice. So yeah, it works nicely for me. Do you do open basket or are you a closed basket with juice channels? Um, half and half. <laughs> so, yeah. Because they've got the ones where the bag just runs straight down the middle and it's completely open. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Or they've got the, the closed one with the channels and then ours is, you know, probably the more common yeah. half and half. Um, nice. I think from the oxygen level, I'd quite like to have it a fully open open basket. Mm-hmm. But the cleaning mm. on those are a nightmare. So actually having the half open it works better for a practical side. We have um, two fully open baskets and then one fully closed um, juice channel. The no. two fully open are a dream, but they're magnum. And you okay. can, I can flip those presses in about 25 minutes, cleaned, emptied, right. and ready to reload. Yeah, do that with a Stick that in your <laughs> cockard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very difficult to do while here and dangerous. Um, okay, brilliant, Tommy. Excellent, thank you. Two two marks out two questions so far. Ferg not doing so well. Fergery, uh, Fergery, Ferg. Uh, your next question is: You turn uh-huh. up to work in the morning, and the winery yep. and the vineyards have all been swept out to sea. <laughs> How do you? <laughs> well, you know, as you know, Lee, uh, salinity is a big part of the winemaking at Balfour. Uh, so this situation would actually be ideal for us. Okay, <laughs> it's also been something of a surprise because we're it's 20 me. miles inland. All, all that's happened here is you've just given me marketing speak. You've not given me a winemaking <laughs> answer. Okay, so there's one question left each, and we're nearly done. Um, Tommy, you're making a white, still red. Want it to be elegant. Clean, you're making it from Pinot Noir, different clones. 
Um, what would be your approach to the cap management of making that bread? Yeah, I just want to keep it wet. So uh, probably punch down twice a day, pump over, make sure it's not smelling eggy, making sure that <clears throat> if it's got all the nutrients and oxygen it needs. So, uh, But realistically, I'd probably just phone Charlie Brown down at shop <laughs> and ask him what he would do. <laughs> Good structured answer, but honesty in there as well. So that's a, that's another full mark for that. Um, Ferg, your last question. I mean, you, I mean, you've, you've basically lost this, haven't you? Um, yep. You're getting on a bus with some okay. tank samples because you need to take them to to your supermarket buyers. Okay. And there you go. See, it's not funny when you laugh at your own joke. No, mate. it's not. It's really not. <laughs> Um, a very well um, you're getting on this bus and a very well-dressed German man looks at you and says, good luck, what do you do? <laughs> I say, danke, and yeah. then I continue to get on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but um, whilst that might be true, you didn't actually tell me anything about the wine. So, uh, by, by a score of three to nil in our game of Tommy or Fergus, who is the best winemaker, the winner is Tommy Grimshaw. <laughs> there we go. You heard it here first. I have some issues with this game because I feel like Fer got all the easy questions. (laughs) (laughs) That is is the best resolution to that game. I will say nothing. (laughs) It's literally the first thing they teach you at Plumpton. I can't believe I forgot it. What to do when your winery gets washed out to sea. It was a class with Tony Milanowski. um, And yeah, no, I, I completely missed that. Shame. Oh, well. I actually, uh, Andy and I have been chatting. Like, it's quite a funny one. We went for a night out with Jacob, actually, from Blackshaw. And other people were there as well, I'm sure. <laughs> it wasn't just us and Jacob. But Andy and I, the next day, were chatting on a disgorging line for ages about how we could take a winery on a, like a boat and have a floating winery to take it across to all these different wine regions and try and, you know, do traveling winemaking but take our winery with us uh, we're chatting about this next week we saw jacob again we're like, oh i had this amazing idea about floating winery to take around regions boys i was literally telling you about that exact idea that I had. <laughs> 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 when winemakers drink buck fast that's the channel five documentary right there I don't think it counts as like copyright stealing someone's idea if you're too drunk to remember the conversation. No, definitely not. Definitely not. Yeah. Oh, and um, and what's prevented this happening thus far? Uh, the lack of boat ownership, <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially a big enough boat for a while. <laughs> yeah, you need quite a big. You need a really stable boat as well. Yeah. Sure. So, well, no, but maybe the instability helps with the abassinage, so that could be quite good. Yeah, we uh, had discussed that actually. Because um, yeah. it would we've keep it in. Yeah, you need something with big carrying capacity because you know every ton of grapes is is a is a, is a lot to then put on a boat. Mm. We kind of figured that we're probably end up drinking quite a lot of it as well because it's going to be quite a long voyage between you know. Yeah. Here in South yeah. Africa, so yeah. it's a work in progress. The first job is to find a big enough boat. Yeah, um, then you then you'll need a cockard. Because yeah. no good wine's made without a cockard, right? <laughs> We're beginning to learn, Ferg, because here we are. 
<laughs> without our cock-ups. <laughs> Look at this. I've, I've often wondered why we don't win enough awards. Yeah. It's, it's the it, fucking press. It's the, it's, it's the press, isn't it? It is the press chat. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've enjoyed those games. They were fun. Oh, I've massively enjoyed it. Excellent. Um, Excellent. What's, I, just, um, I peaked at... Um, Tommy, do you? Tommy, don't. I, I now have some content. <laughs> always, we're always prepared. Um, Tommy, what's um, sort of what's on the horizon for you in the coming weeks and and months? You know, both in the winery, what you're getting up to. Yeah, so um, like winter batonage, I sort of touched on earlier. All our ferments are dormant now, so they're not finished. They'll still need to finish off in the spring when it warms up, so I'll get my winery doors open. Um, <laughs> get, your, uh, get your fish tank eaters in case it's a cold snap. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully I won't be needing those, but they're on backup. Uh, so that's kind of that, lots of disgorging and stuff. Um, we're going to be releasing a still wine in May-ish. Um, don't hold me to May, it might be June, but okay. around then. Uh, yeah. Still Chardonnay from 2022, which is just four barrels worth of Chardonnay Thai. Which is just tasting amazing. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, so, pardon? Do you it's say nice? Nice. Yeah, it's it's nice. nice. <laughs> I think it's nice. Hopefully, <laughs> you know, when you guys try it, you think it's nice. What does Barry uh, and Luton think of it? <laughs> like, I'm hoping everyone's just going to bow down and say it's amazing, but, you know, it doesn't always work like that. I'll check Vivino and then probably think everyone hates it. But, <laughs> no, so yeah, I'm looking forward exciting. to releasing that, really. Um, and then yeah, next you'll have my own my own brand to launch, which is quite exciting. So that's work in yep. progress. Yeah, but nice. So yeah, shameless plug for the brand no. that doesn't have a name yet. <laughs> so yeah, uh, well I we'll think see. it's got a name. Surely to, to, Tommy D. Tommy D. <laughs> and then and then you know if if you made one and you could do a second label that's made from lower quality fruit or so that that could be Tommy. Tommy Doe. Yeah, I can move my charm out. <laughs> yeah. Charm on Sable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Doe. Tommy Doe. Uh, well, yeah. hopefully um, your Chardonnay doesn't get compared unfavorably to Gusborn, um, as mine has been. Um, just doesn't feel ripe enough. At, the, at this price, the Gusborn Chardonnays are far superior. Sky Chardonnay 2022. Oh, who said said that? Uh, Who said that? Uh, Mike Walker. Not Mike Walker. Mike Boyne then. (laughs) 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 Um, Sky Chardonnay. There's a podcast in this alone. <laughs> no, well, right. We, we, we like you know low lighting state. Although this is a podcast, play Claire de la Lune really gently in the background and just read out all the negative reviews. Sad wine, one, sad comedies, a thing. Sad wine reviews. There we go. Well, um, yeah, one game have only one stars. That's all right. <laughs> For this, uh-huh. this twenty twenty two Sky Chardonnay. That's what I'm yeah. showing at my tasting next week, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. Oh, dear. Uh, but it's okay. At least it's not the 2019 that, according to James Clark, who's written 2,120 rentings, said, possibly the worst English Chardonnay I've ever tasted. I don't know if the bottle had been opened for too long, but it was. And then he just, oh, no, no, uh, but it was vile. I couldn't finish my taster glass. And sad, 
that there was no spittoon. It tasted of soap and nettles. Um, luckily, uh, it would appear James Clark has some friends because whoop, Solanke said, oh dear, we'll avoid. Uh, Richard Hood said, that's some claim, James Clark. Almost intrigued to try it now. And Lisa Harlow said, oh dear, not tried that one. But it's that dreaded 2019 vintage where things didn't re- didn't ripen. Avoid like the plague. What 2019 vintage where things didn't ripen, Lisa? Everything fucking ripened. You... Uh, anyway. Anyway. <laughs> I go on for Corallian. 2.5 oh, yeah. stars. Simply not very good. <laughs> <laughs> not very good, but it's got 50% of what you can give. What? <laughs> also, it is very good. Fact. <laughs> So, I like how crude that was. It's just not very good. Three years of my life devoted to this. So right. yeah. what, what, what we can do, there's an episode in this alone, right? We get as many different winemakers on as possible. I, I'll sit as like chair or adjudicator, and it'll be like, a, like an AA meeting or something. We just go round. In turn, and you all just keep reading out these tasting <laughs> notes. That would be brilliant. Oh, no, no, right. We get right. a selection of them, a selection of you winemaking people, right? I I collate lots of different tasting notes that I find, and then I read them out one at a time, and you all have to guess whose wine they apply to. Oh, this sounds a bit like a game that we almost played, but didn't. Uh, in oh, fact, we could... We, we could, we could play one round of it um, because I found one thing. So, Tommy, uh, one of the other games we were going to play was uh, Guess the Winery, um, where I would read the opening paragraph or paragraphs from a winery's website. Might be UK, probably UK, um, but might be abroad. And you had to guess which winery I, I was reading from. Would you like to hear one? Yeah, I just I <laughs> Okay, ready. So, blank is dedicated to crafting the finest wine for every special occasion. It is ma- made to enhance every single one of life's milestones and achievements. The finest grapes, the most trusted method, the most sustainable innovation. Our vision is clear as mud. To deliver of exceptional experiences with absolutely no compromises for those who value the highest levels of quality. Oh, that's a lot of not a lot, isn't it? That's a lot of someone didn't read this before they published. Hmm. I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna stick to Furley or not want to play it safe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Lee, you already know this, so I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give you the chance to 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 no. interject. Uh, that was high wheeled. Um, Han, I've got one more. Uh, I've got one more. Just let me pull it up. Sorry, I should have prepared in advance for this. Well, I um, like it's, you know, it's off the cusp. It's fine. Um, okay, blank. As wine growers, we pride ourselves in crafting terroir-driven sparkling wines using grapes only only grown on our vineyard. I've left a word out there. We take a light intervention approach to both grape growing and wine production, constantly striving to minimise our environmental impact and produce honest wines that reflect our terroir. 
We don't fine or filter our wines, making them vegan and vegetarian friendly. Oh, Callum's written that, hasn't he? That's ours. That is yours. (laughs) 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 Do you know what? I was just going like, I know what I'll do that'll be really funny. I'll read out Langham's. I don't. I, th- I think that's actually uh, actually quite good um, com- compared to the one that I read before. Um, let's do let's do one more. Hang on, uh, I've got one more. Um, okay, yep. Yes, I'm over eighteen. Uh, at the forefront of British winemaking stands our brand, led by Blank. As the youngest winery owner in the UK, Blank journey from the American wine industry to the serene landscapes of North Blank embodies our commitment to innovation and passionately driven winemaking. Join us in exploring the unique and authentic flavours of the south coast of England. Oh, that could be anyone. Is, is that, that um, Kareem? That is. That's where Maiden I was going. Maiden Yeah, Maiden. That was it. I couldn't think of the name. Um, okay, I've got another one. How how many more do you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> this is just wonderful. Uh, das ist wunderbar. Uh, right, Han, I'm, I'm just waiting for... Their, their website is not very well optimised for the mobile Balfour? phone. No. no, I thought about doing Balfour, but I rec- I figured that would be kind of boring. Um, well, oh, according, according to some of the reviews you read out, it wasn't even that good. I mean, the most vile wine I've ever tasted. That 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 cut deep, actually. Uh, yes, I'm over eighteen. For God's sake! Uh, whilst, we, whilst we search for it, I've got a, I've got a butt first tonic wine review. If you'd like to hear it, oh, oh yeah, go on. Then. Cool. So it's the five star review, as they as they pretty much all are. So. A colleague brought some in for lunch yesterday. This is the first time I've tried a tonic wine. It's very different to the wines I usually drink. A very deep, fruity aroma with a lingering of berries on the palate. After my third bottle, I found it very difficult to finish the week's <laughs> compliance report. Shortly after, it went very hazy. I remember sitting in the dust and setting fire to a bin. One note, don't bring chips at police officers unless you're 100% sure your wife has bail money. Five stars. <laughs> Oh, that's glorious. That's absolutely glorious. I love Vivino on Backfast. It's so uh, good. Uh, Go on, Phil. That's a good one. Pregnancy, bad decision, and Asbos. <laughs> oh, that's glorious. Um, okay, I've, I've, I've reached one. Uh, so this is philosophy of this winery. So I've lost... Philosophy at blank would be best summarized as progressive, incorporating what we know of the best scientific and technological knowledge available to us. That's some weird grammar. That comma came after available. Um, Whilst championing ancient traditions and best practice learnt from millennia of farming and winemaking, at blank we are committed to farming in a diverse polycultural way, we believe this is not only a highly sustainable approach, but in conjunction with biodynamics, aims to restore soils to an optimum level of organic matter and microbial and wider diver- 
ecological diversity. Someone needs to go back to school, but there you go. That's 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 the next one. Need oh, you want to fun at that one? Well, poly- polyculture and biodynamics. Mm. I don't know if Anchor Hill is still going. I don't think yeah, they, they are, you know. No, well, the estate was up for sale. Oh, no, they, they are. Years, but, but is it still going? I think so. It's up for sale. But I think they are still ticking along. I'm stumped on that one. Don't yeah, know no idea. Like Domain Hugo, but I don't think you would have, that would have been there. No, it would have been yeah. That was tilling him. Oh, yeah. uh, probably should have thought one. I kind of forgot they existed. So. Here's, here's one for you. Uh, we're determined that enjoying a glass of blank should never come at the expense of the land that we cultivate, which is why we're committed to a sustainable and holistic approach to our land. Say one twice. Sustainable and holistic approach to our land, resources, and the carbon footprint involved in producing our outstanding English sparkling wines. Balfour. No. I thought about it. Is it fair? I did wonder if that sounded like something Jack would write. Sustainable. Who who puts a big focus on sustainable? Uh, everyone, everyone does in their marketing, I think. Everyone, yeah, everyone yeah, does no, in their marketing. Uh, okay, sorry, I sh- yeah, you're right. We, there's a, there's another well, paragraph. Our vineyards in blank, blank, and blank are surrounded by natural habitats from native broadleaf woodlands, which are managed and replanted, as well as wildflower meadows in various locations at both the blank and blank vineyards that provide food and nesting places for birds and insects. That's not really helped, I don't think, has <laughs> it? Oh, no, not night timber. As a pump. Oh, Tommy Beatsburg again. Regular I'm getting current. used to this. Uh, was it I should have timber? got it actually from the blank and blank and blank. Was that that's Kent, Sussex, and somewhere else? Yeah, yeah that's what told me. Yeah. 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 Ah, superb. This will be a really good game. Uh, Tommy, yeah, what yeah. can we say? Uh, yeah, cheers, Tommy. Absolute joy to have you on. Oh. What, a, what a pleasure. Um, it really is. It really is. It's, it's you know, you're, I, 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 I was going to say, I think you know this. I don't think you do because you're a very down to earth sort of modest individual. You know, you're so important in in our industry and in, in English wine and everything that you have achieved and are achieving is just phenomenal. And it's so good to see, you know, young people. Do, that's, that sounds really condescending. I don't mean that the way it sounds, but see young people doing incredible things and, and the way that you came into it just so naturally fell into this industry and you've grasped it and you've just gone on to achieve all of these things. Um, I think you sort to be hugely admired, not not just for your winemaking, um, but as your character. It's just so good to have you on. Thank you. No, yeah. thank you. No, Tommy, thanks for coming on, mate. And I forgive you for being <laughs> five years younger than me. Because um. <laughs> he's got a lot of control over that. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind just say you're 33 from now on, that would that'd be great. Then I could have a go at being the second youngest winemaker in England again. Folks, um, are, are you just upset at all those cold ferments you threw out because you hadn't thought of buying some fresh tank heaters? Yeah, I, I mean, like <laughs> 200,000 litres, I just tipped it down the ditch because, you know, whilst we say we care about the environment. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thousand fish tank heaters. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of expensive fish. What about, what, what about all those fish? They're fucking, they're freezing. <laughs> we have toy fish in our barrels. I feel like it's just really? before, yeah. We've got a glass in the barrel and we always put a mascot in it. And uh, the first year we had a little goldfish, which he called Swim Shady. And, nice. Um, and then last year was Scuba Steve. And then this year I only wanted a shark, but I couldn't get one toy shark. I had to buy a pack of 12. So we've got 12 toy sharks. <laughs> <laughs> got 12 toy sharks in our barrel. Oh, that's oh, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I still, I still also want to, I forgot to mention that I've still got you, you, your name in my phone is Ferrix. That's <laughs> okay, think, Tommy. <laughs> I think the first time we met, we probably uh, had had a little bit of wine and then maybe a small bit of beer afterwards and my thumbs clearly weren't working, so... Um, it's usually I, the small bit of beer that comes after the teeny tiny bit of wine that, 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 yeah. that, that, that sends people over the edge isn't it yeah usually and um i can never find your contact because i search ferg and i can never see it but it's actually <laughs> ferrugs <laughs> yeah please never change it I, that's I'm, awesome I'm... <laughs> yeah so there you go i'll leave you with that thanks mate brilliant thanks, thanks for coming so on much, tommy. tommy really, Cheers, really appreciate it so good to catch you when you take care speak very Cheers, soon <laughs> Oh, that was an absolute blast, wasn't it? Yeah, no, he's um nice guy, handsome, good looking, good wine funny, maker, kind, thoughtful, young. generous. Can't stand the right. Yeah, he's not coming back, is he? Um, well, it's a bit awkward. I think he's, you know, obviously based on the results, uh, which have, have now been through a, a, a thorough study and we've crunched numbers but based on the results of the um tommy fergus who is the best winemaker mm. I, I don't know if you qualify for the maker anymore <laughs> um i mean you had no idea what to do if your winery was swept out into the ocean no this you is know, true uh, you, you've opened a portal to some other realm i mean you just you, you just froze in terror which many would say that's fine but you know, your head winemaker, you've got to be able to do it. Then that teaches us stuff at Plumpton. Be careful when yeah. wrecking, you might open the portal. <laughs> what surprised me, though, what caught me out there was that I was wrecking 777 Pinot Noir and a portal to hell opened. Uh, you know, if I'd been wrecking some Divico or some Pinot Precoce or... God forbid, Rondo. Rondo. You know, you'd, you'd sort of be prepared see, for interdimensional portals to take you down to hell to be the, tormented by the devil and all his little beasties. Um, but, you know, this is a nice variety and a nice clone. The, um, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world it didn't exist. Yeah. It's not hiding what you'd mm. expect. Because if the mm. portal opened when you were making some rugby, like, fucking Rondo. I knew it. You wouldn't really be... <laughs> and actually, that would lessen the impact of the deep sea. Probably actually a better place to deal with it. So, yeah, you'd you know, just be indignant rather than surprised. Oh, I'd just be like, oh, not today. I, fuck's sake, again? Not really? today. Yeah. You, yeah. DLC, Bob. No, no. Put that tank down. Get in here. Yeah. <laughs> put that... that pack, no, that packet... No, that packet East is for Christmas. You, I bought it early because it's on discount. It'll sit in the cupboard. We'll have it on Christmas evening, you know, mm. and we'll put it in, yeah. in a special tin, 
And then as if all forgetting you open that special tin, it'd be full of like your, your nanny's knitting sewing stuff on it. Because that's... <laughs> Did you find that yet, Ferg? You go and get that big packet yeast and go, oh, I'm really looking forward to using it. Oh, it's just a load of cotton and needles. Yeah, that Ooh. happens pretty much every all, all every week. It's quite depressing, you yeah. They'd do something about that, wouldn't they? Mm. You would. Um, I've actually got, um, this isn't uh, the Vino review, but this is a review of the experience of being on the Maker and the Merchant pod from um, England's second youngest winemakers. He's oh, just dropped me a WhatsApp because, you know, uh, Tommy and I, Tommy and I text um, occasionally. Um, he mainly says, it- please, please stop asking me how I <laughs> look so young and, and youthful. Is it, it, uh, is it you going, uh, I'm sorry to bother you again, but I really, I really need some fish tank eaters. <laughs> um, dear Tommy, um, please, could you send that boat winery that you built? Because mine's been washed out to sea. <laughs> uh, no, he's actually said, and I think it's very sweet, he's actually said, genuinely the po- the best pod I've ever done. Um, he's only done one, hasn't he? I'm this pretty one. sure he has only done one. Uh, but, I mean, what a great guest. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Brilliant. Um, He's, um, I, you know, and I, I, I sounded a bit sort of fanboy and gushing there at, at, at the end, but I meant what I said. I I, I admire people who kind of just, just grab hold of something and go, I'm, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it as well as I can do. Because I've, I've always had, like, fear gets in the way of, of basically living. Um, but Tommy's just come in. You know, with, with with no wine background, got that job at seventeen, and 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 just you know, look what he's doing, look what he's achieving, uh, and his wines are fucking great. And they I have are to say that great. the value of those wines is tremendous. Definitely um, brilliant, absolutely brilliant wines, uh, great wine. But just what what a guest, you know, insightful, thoughtful, considered, everything that we say we want to be for, but that um, that we fail to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no. I mean, all I'd say is that um, ever since he took over Langham Winery and uh, as head winemaker in January 2020, uh, Tommy took on the role uh, and plans to continue and develop the ethos of minimal intervention, not because of the growing trend in natural <laughs> wine, but purely based on the complexity of the end product. In addition, Tommy has attained his WSET Level 3, carries out public tastings for emerging vines. God, they need to update their website. Uh, and has judged at the Independent English Wine Awards. In June 2022, Tommy was included on Harper's 30 Under 30 list and yes. was named their commitment champion for his dedication to the industry. I'm still fucking waiting to make it onto any of those 30 under 30. No, nobody's Here ever are the exciting people. Like, what, uh, how fucking boring am I? Nobody has ever written or said anything about me in any capacity, nor have I ever been nominated nor considered for, for nomination, let alone won anything. And, and like, that's fine because I don't deserve or warrant any of that at all, but it's not happened. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. St- it's you a shame, could, you isn't could it? go for forty under forty, couldn't you? Is that a thing? If not, we'll start it with I, TM and TM. I don't think it's like a thing. Like those TM and TM awards we started talking about last year, and that's oh, a yeah. nomination. And then never do anything with. with. Yep. We, got, we should go can back we, to that. Can, can we give ourselves awards? Uh, yeah, yeah. We we could we could we could win the Maker and the Merchant Award for being the best podcast named the Maker and the Merchant. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if we ran a, a competition for the, 
for for the best for the best best podcast, and then didn't win it, and it was our own competition. Well, this, <clears throat> there's um, so the fact it be our own competition is the only thing that makes it funny. I listen to the um, this will surprise you now. I listen to the Snooker Scene podcast. It's fabulous, uh, hosted by the brilliant Dave Hendon. Now, Dave Hendon is actually a playwright. So he started off as a proper professional. He's had plays put on in, in some tremendous uh, theatres, respected theatres. And uh, listening to his most recent episode this morning, actually, he was saying how <clears throat> he's only ever been nominated for one award uh, or a play that he'd written. And he was he, his was the only nomination and he still didn't win it. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently he, he explained that to... to had been nominated, but he had to send in a, a particular script, i.e. the correct one, but apparently the director sent in the incorrect script or something. So so he was disqualified from winning the only Amazing. thing he's been nominated for when there was no other contenders. Feel for a bit, but um, yeah, anyway, Snoop saying, I know our listener will love that as much uh, as, as she loves TM and TM. Yeah. So, uh, uh, but yeah, actually TM and TM awards, there's, there's something there. There's yes, something there. there is. I mean, we've got and that we should, we of should do... that you fucking ordered. I mean, so... we talked about doing a bloody Rising Star Award two years before YNGB, yeah. and, and now yeah. they've stolen a march on they've us. Stolen I mean, I'm... do you know how hard it is to let YNGB steal a march on you? There are glaciers <laughs> that move faster than YNGB. We really, really have dropped the ball here. We could, we could have given someone a T-shirt. YNGB, right? They were getting on a bus, and a well-dressed German bloke went, "Good luck," and they spotted it immediately. No, they yeah. didn't. Yeah, that's... no, they didn't. They, they actually went. Uh, Please, could you sign our duty response letter and send it to your local MP? <laughs> Um, mate, that was such a pleasure. Um, but you know, it's at an hour and a half, and Mike Boyne's moaning about Ingrid's episode being too long, and I'm pretty sure that was uh, yeah. Than this. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, Ferg, before we go, what's coming up for you in the next couple of weeks? Um, what's coming up for me? Not much, actually. I had a busy week last week, which we'll probably touch on in yeah. a couple of weeks' time when we record next. Um, Rising Star Awards for YGB, yeah. which is very exciting. Um, real celebration of talent. Um, so you'll be pleased here. I, I obviously wasn't in, in in for any of them. Um, and then I was at the South Downs uh, Trust. They had a dinner on Sunday, uh, Saturday, even at Arundel Castle, which was really good fun. Had a really lovely time. Um, met Tim Peake. No. Yeah. Wow. And Eric Karima, all in the same evening. So what can I say? Um, So I'll talk about that a bit. Um, Apart from that, mate, I'm bottling, and that's pretty much all I do these days. I know you love the bottling. I do. It's the only reason you got into it, wasn't it? Yeah, this is actually... I mean, thankfully, I I say I'm bottling. I'm not... I don't bottle anymore, and it's actually a bit sad because I kind of miss it. Um, but then I then I remember that I miss the five seconds where it goes wrong, and then I fix it, and then it works, and I feel good. Yeah. Um, and then there's another eight hours of not feeling quite so clever. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and the noise, yeah. the noise, the noise. There is, it, her- it is noisy. It? Um, but yeah, uh, what about you? What's the news? Um. Not a lot. Uh, still, still no 
job. Um, so it seems I'm highly unemployable. Um, but keeping, I say keeping busy. Yeah, keeping busy. I've got, I've got sort of a, a couple of things I'm doing for, for some clients here and there. Uh, it's not changing the world, but, um, you know, I've had a, a few events on. I have a few events coming up. Uh, I have some more teaching at, um, at the WCT's London School uh, in Burnley, nice. which, which, is, which is good uh, to be doing yeah. that. Um, and, and otherwise, just, you know, just checking my diary here. Um, I've got a good two or three days of um, ennui, uh, general existential dread. Um, nice. Oh, oh that, sorry, Thursday, contemplating my inevitable death. That's the morning uh, taken taken care of. Um, <laughs> just the usual kind of things when you're as mentally unstable as me in the situation I'm in. But no, it's um, you know, it, 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 I was going to say it is what it is. S O C K S socks, as we have discussed in the past. So um, yeah, yeah. But I've got um, yeah. what am I doing? I've, I've got uh, I've got a tasting next week, as we mentioned. Your Sky Chardonnay. Um, so tasting for the structure. Oh, shit, yeah, I need, to, I need to send those samples. Thank you. Thank you. That's not why I'm mentioning it. Uh, so the tasting know, is know, but... um, uh, a week tomorrow. A week so, tomorrow. And, as and... we record this, that means last week, uh, as yep. you listen to this. And where, even... and where was this tasting? <laughs> <laughs> this tasting was at uh, Stratford Wine Group. It was, it's an exploration of um, Chardonnay and Syrah from around the world. Uh, so we're nice. doing Chardonnay. Um, I have to get an English one in there. Uh, and then I've got a, a tasting sort of week after that, uh, going around Argentina. And then I'll have some stuff at the end of end of the month, which is, is some other wine groups, again, sort of focusing on Argentina. Uh, and then I'm out with All Angels. They're doing, um, they're doing a lovely consumer event based around blending. So I'm going to take part in that and, uh, and help out. Um, so, yeah, yeah, there it is. That sounds great, like fun. Great episode. Great to catch up. Yeah. Uh, always, games. always a hoot. I thought, I thought East, East or Beast was, was you know that that's going to be huge. That competition, you watch. They're going to get Richard Osman hosting it. You know, it's a future. yeah. Um, sorry, I'm just I, I just can't get over Tommy Do Tommy Don't genius. Um, genius. And all the people we're now going to make play that game. Yeah. Um, I think we need to get some like real serious players from the wine industry. You know, people who take themselves very seriously, rightly so. Yes. Um, you know, and then and then make them do Tommy do Tommy don't. Um, yeah. James Suckling, you know, he's he's pretty important, yeah. right? James, James Suckling, your first question is fruit. Tommy do. <laughs> uh, your next question is subtlety. Tommy don't. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I saw, um, um, I saw, <laughs> I, think, I think it was my best MW. I think it was him. Um, although if it, if it wasn't, he I really apologize. is. I mean, it, it, in a prime example of nominative De- determinism, that's easy for you to say. Mike Best is the best, the best MW. I saw this um, on his Instagram stories, and I think it was him. Apologies if it wasn't. And it just said, um, is there any way I can unfollow James Suckley? Like not just his not 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 just his channels, just everything. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Excellent. Yeah, brilliant, mate. Right, dear well, listener, thanks. Thanks for very much for listening. Uh if you're still listening, God and knows why you would we'll, be. We'll be uh, back in a fortnight. Ninety six minutes with in. A slightly tighter episode, hopefully.
Ciao. Arrivederci.